You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Pure Pleasure with Dewey Halpas on Equal Vision Records and Sound Talent Media. I am Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. This week, guys, we have Brian Fallon from the Gaslight Anthem. What an amazing, amazing chat this was. I've been trying to get Brian on the show for years. It finally happened. Uh, Thank you to Blake from the Tone Mob for connecting us. Um, I'm just glad to get this one out to you. It's been done for a few weeks, uh, but I wanted to wait on it a little bit. Um, we had a lot of stuff coming out that was kind of time sensitive and this one was just more of a chat, which most episodes are for me, but, um, you know, in this case, this one could wait a little while. So I'm glad it is finally seeing the light of day. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. Brian is a great dude. We had a fantastic chat. He was, it's kind of funny in the beginning, he's kind of, uh, not distant, but something was going on. And finally he kind of chimes in that there's a giant branch getting ready to fall on his house that he's kind of keeping an eye on. Not sure if he's supposed to call the police or fire department or, or tree cutters. And he's just kind of distracted at the beginning, but we had a good laugh about that later because he wasn't sure to bring it up or not. Uh, but that can be terrifying. We did this back when the weather was a little bit more terrible. It's been beautiful here in Portland. So, uh, things are definitely turning for the better. So thanks to Brian for coming on. Thanks to Blake for setting this up. Let's get some business out of the way and we will jump in. So peerpleasurepodcast.com is the website for all the episodes, uh, merchandise, anything like that you can find there. Peerpleasurepod at gmail.com is the email if you want to get in touch with me, if you want to send guest ideas or anything like that. 
you can do it that way. Uh, the Peer Pleasure Podcast Inner Circle Facebook group is free to join. Uh, it's a private group, but we'll let you in. Um, go ahead and s- send us, um, what's it called? A, uh, a request, and we will let you in. It's private just to protect the people in there uh, from what they say and, and things like that, because we talk about some stuff in there. But if you join that Facebook group, you're going to see who I'm talking to, when I'm talking to them. Um, you know, you can chime in with different questions you have for them or anything like that, and I'll try to bring those up. But also, you'll also see when I complete those episodes, because I'll post a screenshot of the Zoom video. And that Zoom video is only available in the Peer Pleasure Premium. That premium service is peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm. That gets you the past cast, which is another podcast I do with other podcasters, including Blake, uh, where we go through and, and deep dive into their favorite episodes of Peer Pleasure. You also get the Zoom videos of all the episodes that I've done since, I think, November of last year is when we started recording those. Um, so you get all those, and you get them right away. So, um, you know, if I talk to someone today, you'll have it, you know, two hours after I do the interview. You won't have to wait the month or month and a half to listen. So if you run out of stuff, if you're home from work or whatever, and you're listening to a lot of episodes and you're caught up, you'll have at least 10 or 11 more at all times that have not been released yet on that premium service. And that premium service is peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm. So go sign up now and uh, get yourself some of that goodness. All right. So without further ado, let's jump into my conversation with Mr. Brian Fallon, from the Gaslight Anthem. my man i'm good how are you doing i'm doing great dude thanks good. for doing this yeah i appreciate it a lot dude it's early over here <laughs> but uh yeah you can hear me okay i can i can hear you right on well how are things going over there you're in new jersey i am new jersey how's how's things going over there man how are things are things just status quo like the they've been going or anything changing 
Uh, not too much. It's still pretty much the same. Uh, people, there's more uh, people getting vaccines now. So, um, yeah, I guess uh, the cases are seem to be going down because of that. But um, not everybody has them yet. So you, know, you still have to like give it a minute. I think. Yeah. Have you gotten it? No, not yet. Okay. Not yet. Like, uh, I'm, I'm on a list with my wife, but that's it. So we'll just wait, you know. But we're not like top priority so we don't we don't we're not like really pushing for it yeah i hear you man let people who need it get it first and then we'll get it whenever yeah well right on dude how do you know blake um from the the tone mom podcast like he's friends with uh my guitar player ian and okay and so they uh ian introduced me to blake and his wife and and then we just became friends after a while okay well, that's awesome, dude. I, and shout out to Blake for hooking this up. We've been trying to get you on for a long time, but I was going through like publicists and stuff, which yeah. can be your publicist. Uh, man, I can't even remember his name now. It's been so long, but like uh, he was always awesome about it. Like he's like, yeah, I think we can make it work. I was like, cool. Yeah. And then like something would happen or something would be late or something. And then he's like, dude, I know you might not be able to do this, but could you be down there in like 15 minutes? And I was like, dude, no, I just started dinner for the kids. Like, but yeah. he felt so bad. <laughs> yeah. It's just been, it's just been a, uh, I, I know you've been on the other side of publicists, but like it, it can be a runaround sometimes, but I'm stoked to, to get this going. <laughs> I don't know yeah. about that 15 minute thing. <laughs> I think I got that memo. <laughs> it was uh, at the Hawthorne theater, I believe in Portland. And it was literally like, it wasn't going to oh, work out. And then it worked out. He's like, yeah. you'd be down here. Like, right. there, like you could have like, like 20 it. minutes. And I was like, oh, yeah, dude on tour would would not be the, the <laughs> ideal scenario i don't want to be bothered on tour with anything yeah i bet dude i've i've i come from that world too and it was always a pain to have to like squeeze different things into your day you want all yeah. you want to do is eat some dinner and relax for a minute you've been in the van yeah, for 10 yeah. hours and oh. you're not really there you know present so yeah and it's always time. how's the tour going and what are you gonna say uh, I yeah. feel like shit and I hate it. <laughs> no, <you're going> fine. <laughs> I, I've, I always joke there should be a podcast just called how's the tour going and literally just ask the worst questions yeah. and just, but make it fun, you know, when you know yeah. it's going to happen and have the best answers in the can. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> dude, uh, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a wild ride, but I'm glad we're here and, and, uh, um, not on tour. Well, for that reason alone not on tour, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> dude. Uh, so I put out like, uh, I put out a, a deal on the Facebook group and things like that about that. I was having you on and stuff like that. And people are really, uh, really love horrible crows a lot. Yeah. And I do too, but I was shocked that that was what mainly what people were asking about. Uh, well, that's cool. but it's, it's fantastic. Like, uh, um, a buddy of mine, Matt Hopper, who, who, um, I really respect musically is it he says you know it's your best work to date in his opinion um t can you tell me a little bit about that group like um i know it's kind of jumping all over the place in the beginning but um how that came together and 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 a little bit about that process well it kind of came from just wanting to do music that wasn't under uh under a microscope really um at the time everything was sort of very very big and, and a lot of, you know, there was just a lot of analyzation, uh, 
of the of of anything any any interview or music or anything it's just like um everything is 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 being analyzed when you get into a position of uh you know when your band does well like you want to be noticed and then and then all of a sudden your band does well and you get noticed uh in in like very strange ways that you didn't prepare for um and analyzation is one of the biggest things um where your mood is analyzed all the time. It's, uh, you know, from the interviewer, like if you're in a good mood or a bad mood or whatever, and then that becomes part of the interview, which is sort of, uh, it, it's awkward. Um, and so the, the horrible crows came from just not wanting to have anybody watching anything and doing something that was like for music again, and not really about, or that, that wouldn't automatically sort of have this immediate attention on it. And, and it came from the desire to, for anonymity really. Mm-hmm. So um, Ian and I just started talking about music that we liked in the back of the bus when, when the tour was going on. And, and then uh, he would sort of suggest like ideas of like, we'd make like playlists and we should say, Oh, we should write a song like this. And then uh, I would just go and, and, and write something and then kind of, say what do you think of this and then he would play on it and then and then we would have uh you know sort of like an ongoing back and forth he would have like a riff or something and then show it to me and then turn it into song and it really came out of just that like that's where the whole thing kind of not kind of that's where it stemmed from (laughs) it was just an it was an excuse to do something musical that wasn't you know uh, sort of under any pressure because i didn't i did not find that pressure once i found after the 59 sound, I didn't find the pressure to be at all something I planned for, or I didn't find it to sit well with me. I just, I still, even to this day, I don't like it. Man, that's, that's interesting. I, I, I hear so many different, different ways that affects people talking on this show, um, you know, to people in your position, people like bigger, smaller, whatever, they all, they all handle it differently, but it's all kind of all encompassing. And that's, that's something like you said, you don't feel, you don't think about that until it hits. I mean, what, yeah. what, how can you expect it? Like, how okay. can you, it's different for everyone, you know? Yeah. Um, and 59 sound is when I, when I discovered Gaslight Anthem. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, most of them. Yeah. And you, I think you toured with some buddies of mine in Broadway calls and, and, uh, yeah. like I was like, seeing like, holy shit, you guys are touring with Gaslight Anthem. Like, this is huge. Um, how, did you find that more attention came to horrible crows after a little while to where it was, you know, you started to get that, that anonymity wasn't there anymore or were you able to keep it? Do you feel? No, it it, not ever in the case of like how it was with the band, like Mm -hmm. the the horrible crows is sort of like, I I don't know, like uh, my friend and I were talking about it the other day that like Dave Haas, actually we were talking about it. Like it, it's sort of like had this like mythical, like <laughs> culty thing because it like we never toured on it and then it became like more special because it like it was sort of not there it was there and then it wasn't and it just got like wider in the scope of 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 everything and it wasn't like you know we couldn't tour on it because the the gaslight machine was was on on full steam ahead so um we just did it. And then it like lived there and the people who liked it felt like they found like a secret a little bit and, and it was cool. Um, and, and it was like a fun record. Like it was not something that we gave much thought to 
anything other than like, we like, do we like this or do we not like this? And it's like, so I don't know. It's, it's like, <laughs> it's so, so many people have so many different feelings about it and I just like it. I think it's just a good record. I agree. Um, yeah. It's really good. I think the photos are good. I think the artwork is good that, um, that, that uh, this guy Jeff did from rockets are red. He did the layout and then um, he, I, back at then it was El Jefe designs. He did like all the art, the poster artwork and stuff. And and he, he did the layout for the Harvard crows, which is really cool. And uh, Danny Clinch did the photographs for it, which I thought he captured the whole thing beautifully. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, inside one was just down to put it out, which was really kind of cool at the time because I didn't know if they were going to put it out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure. Yeah. But they did. And it was cool. And it was, it was good. And they were really nice about it. And, um, and it's almost been 10 years now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's wild, man. It's wild how fast it goes. And, and I mean, you're, and to put it full disclosure, you're one of my favorite songwriters. And, and that's a I, big reason why I was always like chasing, like, man, I really want to talk to Brian. But I really, I mean, the stuff you do is, is, is fantastic in my mind. And, and, you know, people were commenting on, on the, the Facebook group too, about, uh, how can you write a record that kicks my ass and make me miss my exes? And like all these like really great comments, but I, I want to know like where you come from and kind of like get your story because that's, that's huge to me to where your inspirations come from, from kind of where you came from. Yeah. You, know, you grew up in New Jersey. Yeah. Did you, um, did you have yeah. a musical family? Be my mom. My mom was very musical. And uh that's that's really where a lot of it came from. Um she she would play me all the the records that I knew when I was young. But my mom was uh my the biggest thing for me was uh like the hymns at church. My mom would always sing hymns and like so everything I've ever done sort of stems from that. Like it it not even sort of like it like people are always kind of asking me like what my biggest influence is. Cause like you can find out a lot about someone's writing by what they love. And, um, like I love, uh, you know, the big one was always like Bruce Springsteen and stuff. And I do love that. And I can, you know, kind of like dissect it where the excitement that you hear, like in a song, like the 59 sound or like the, like the whoa chorus in uh, the horrible crows, like that comes from like badlands or, you know, the excitement of the 59 sound kind of comes from like, um, like, you know, born to run, like the drug, you know, like that's where that comes from. And, but the songs don't come from there. The, the songs come from lyrically maybe. Yeah. Um, with, you know, identify with Bruce as a storyteller and his perspective of, of like kind of constant empathy is, is sort of where I get from him. But the, but the hymns is where the, like the melody and the, like, that sort of like intangible gut wrenching thing is from the hymns. Cause I don't think that they're happy. I think the hymns came from like a lot of really bad situations. Mm-hmm. I, but that's where the hope comes from. Okay. I, I can see that. I grew up in a Mormon household and, and uh, so we went to church every Sunday and had the hymns yeah. and every, and I would yeah. watch my dad like mouth the words. He would never sing yeah. it, but my mom would. And you just hear the whole congregation you know, coming together with these songs and they, you know, most of them didn't read music, but they knew how it went. It was so ingrained, but there was always the big swelling chorus, like this anthemic sound that I could totally like see a lot of what you do comes from. Like that makes sense. 
it just so that's all where it comes from is that thing that yeah. big swell in the in the chorus it's like i think that that's for a lot of people where it comes from but most people want to give it like a different you know they want to like find out like where musically did they come from with like a contemporary artist but it, it, it just doesn't like i think i think that's why whatever is special about my work that's where it comes from and i know it and i can't tell you why but i know that that's where it comes from it's just you in your say, blood like yeah, you could like add on whatever you want. I'm sure it's part of it, but that's not the source. <laughs> like an ice cream sundae with really good ice cream. You can put whatever you want on it, but it's still just inherently good sure. with what it yeah. is. Yeah, I think that's the thing. Do you remember how you felt hearing those hymns? Like, did you did you love those hymns? Were you were you into church, I guess? Because when I was at church, I wasn't into it. So I was kind of like, oh, I got to be here again. So I wasn't receptive. Yeah. Do things like that, but I do remember the feeling of everyone singing together and coming together. Um, but do you remember like enjoying that or like gravitating towards it, or was it just affecting you subconsciously? Uh, when I was a kid, I don't think I wanted to be a church at yeah. all. I think it, it it was like a drag. But because um, uh, my mom went a lot, like we were like the the Wednesday night crowd and the Sunday okay. crowd and the Sunday night crowd. And you know, that's when I was really young. Mm -hmm. Um, not, not through my teenage years, we went on Sunday and that was about it. But, uh, maybe like Wednesday, if there was like a thing, you know, like, but, um, no, I didn't really want to be there <laughs> until, you know, until much later, until I probably, until I needed it, you know? And like when I figured out that like, you know, life was hard, then it became more, you know, um, oh, 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 aware. I wouldn't say that it gave, that gave it meaning. I would say that the meaning was always there, but the, the, like the definitely a, a need for it would, would, you know, sort of open you up to it. And, and I think that it, it, once you've spent some time, you know, being, I think hymns are not for the, like necessarily like for always for the joyful. Maybe there are, there are hymns for that, but uh, I wasn't into those hymns. The, the, you know, the, I think the, the like the, the, the destitute are, that's what music in general is there for the people who are flawed and need, you know, to find themselves, you know, need to find that they're not hopeless, I think is where that's where it comes from. It makes sense, dude. And it's, it's, uh, they're weird because they can, they can do both. They can inspire, but they can also like reach into, to people needing it. You know, like they're like this, uh, they're like dual purpose. Like it's, they're just yeah. kind of, uh, it's like the standards, like with, with like music, like the standards are, they'll either like lift you up or like pull you out of a space or, or they can put you down. Like they're just like all encompassing. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's like one of those paintings of like the double, the not the double meaning, but like if you look at it long enough, you see something else, depending on where you're coming from. Yeah. You know? No, um, that's, that's true for sure. I think that, that it, you know, it depends on your perspective. A lot of it, even music, just, and all music just sort of depends on your perspective if you hear it at the right time. Yeah, absolutely. When, when did life, when did life, when did you find out life got hard? Like when did that I mean, first affect always, you? Like it's everybody finds out teenage years, you know, before teenage that. years. Okay. Sure. Like I think that life's hard all the time. It's both. It's this back and forth. It's like a whole, it just depends. I mean, I don't think it's like particularly difficult for me. I think that like everybody has like their thing, but yeah. it comes and goes at different times. You know, you feel some years are great. Some years are not great. And then it, you, you try to have, 
more great years than not great years. Yeah. Do you do you remember the first time the rug got pulled out from under you? Because I remember like being as a child, like there was a lot of years there where I didn't really know what was going on. I was just kind of like, well, I'm up. We're going to go ride bikes and play in the play in the woods and do whatever until, you know, around like 10 years old when I had my first friend pass away over Christmas yeah. break. I hit by a car on a frozen lake in Wasilla and I went to the funeral and it was open casket. And that moment, everything shattered for me like the the there's going to be another day tomorrow every day like not worrying yeah. about death not thinking about death not thinking about like sadness really except for uh, you know I, oh i didn't get that toy for christmas or i don't like this for dinner that's when it became real and it was and it yeah. was like bam and from that moment on everything i looked through from a different lens and i remember it exactly like right now thinking about it, i remember that exact feeling of that pit in my stomach that that heaviness that I never felt before in my life. Sure. And um, do you remember yeah. something like that? I mean, not a death in the family, but or like a friend, but like when you first felt, I'm kind of like I have to do this on my own kind of thing. Um, I don't remember specifically like a moment where that shifted, but I know what you're talking about. I mean, I think that that happens to all of us at different times. Mm -hmm. Like when you, as you're getting older, there's a point for sure where you. You, you sort of stop real, you know, you stop thinking of things as, as, uh, infinite, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I, I can't, I, I don't think I could say like, there's a specific, at least nothing that's coming to mind right now. Yeah. Okay. When I'm sure there are many, sure. <laughs> many more for all of us, I'm sure. Uh, so with, with hymns, like when did you start picking up a guitar? Was that your first instrument? Yeah. When I was, uh, 11, 11. that was the first, yeah. 11. And then, uh, like late in, the age of 11. So like right before I turned 12 kind of, okay. and then, and then just sort of never stopped with it then. <laughs> Man, even when the fingers hurt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was, I just gravitated towards it pretty quick and I, I, I liked it and, and I could manage to get a few things out really quickly. And, um, and I had to jump on it because of that. So I was able to get it to work mm -hmm. for me. So the, you know, like, and I knew that if you, you know, if your fingers would hurt, you just stop playing for like an hour or two and then you could go back to it. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't push past much past that. Cause if you, you know, if you go too far, then you got to take a week off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> you just don't push past that. Like everybody thinks they need to like suffer to play the guitar or you don't really have to, you could just stop doing it for 20 minutes and then your fingers would stop hurting and then yeah. you start up again until your fingers <laughs> hurt and then you stop and then eventually you just build up calluses and and it's okay exactly then you just grab the stove now <laughs> grab the stove i don't even use pots anymore I just grab the stove i'm Dude. playing guitar so long <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I out fires yeah so uh, I cook, uh, outside without without any kind of utensils i just grab the food yep no thermometer just right in there oh. Yeah, check for yeah. <laughs> I would love to have a steak from your barbecue, I, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> Do you still have your first guitar? No, I, it was it was not a good guitar. Oh, um, it was OK, though. It was what you know, it, was, it got me through for um, many years. Like I had that thing all the way up until I was 18 for sure. And then I think I got it was sometime around then, like when I was about 18, I think I got another one. 
and then, and then I had two. So it, it, it was, but it did me well for a long time. Yeah. And I, you know, and I just, I just went, went with it and stuck with it the whole time. So I'm still sticking with it. I still play all the time. Every still day. take lessons. Yeah. Every day. You still take, take lessons? lessons all the time. Yeah. Really? All yep. Who do you take lessons from? Do you it, random different people? Oh, I had different teachers for a while. Like there was a, a time uh, I over the summer and the winter, I took lessons with a, a, a musician from Minneapolis. Um, it was very talented, like a uh, guitar player. And then, I mean, I take like one-off courses from like, I, I did one-off with Julian Lodge one time. It was just super cool. Um, I did one with Adam Levy one time. It was cool. Um, like just, just cool. I just like cool guitar players who don't really do like the shreddy thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like I feel like that, that, that room is full. Yeah. There's no room at the end for that. that the, the, the world is full of that. It feels like the feeling sucked out of it. Like it's just, Sometimes, some, you know, time. it can be, I think it that depends on who's, who's playing and what their, their intents are. Sure. Cause if, you know, if your intent is to impress people on the internet, then, you know, that's, you can do that and that's okay. And there's nothing wrong with, with speed, you know, it's athleticism. It's fine. It's a, it's very impressive, but um, it's just not my thing. Yeah. Do you guys, and this is just a, I mean, I'm sure you've been asked this a million times, but it just came to mind talking about that. Um, I was having a conversation the other day with a buddy about, um, I had um, Dave Mello from uh, the band called Operation Ivy on the show um yeah. from back like bay area punk scene yeah, it's a drummer right yeah he's a fantastic yeah. dude and yeah. and uh we were just talking about feeling you know like feeling oh, the music like it was and this this buddy of mine likes a lot of music that has like that really snap to the grid quantized like very technical like metal music sure which has its place of course but I was, we were going back and forth about, you know, it kind of just takes the feeling out of it when you have everything's like on a laptop. And if you just, you know, all your effects are triggered by a laptop and things like that, there's not really anything left except just performing the notes, like, like going through the motions, um, with you, with, with what you do and with gaslight and stuff like that, were you guys playing to a click or were you guys doing more live in a room together, feeling it out? Uh, it, it depends on which record, like some of it was, was just like feeling it out, which I don't subscribe to. I think that that's a, a, a it, it's a, it's a messy way of doing things. Um, and I think that sometimes like people will say like, well, the Rolling Stones, you know, the song starts at this tempo and then speeds up. And I say, yeah, but you know, we're not the Rolling Stones. So it, you didn't have anything else then. Mm-hmm. So when th- there was no click track then, and there's a metronome, sure. But like, you couldn't hear it once the drum starts. Um, maybe they would do a track of it, but I'm sure even Charlie would play to a metronome. I, I bet you they did. Um, some of the times like people don't or whatever, everybody talks about ACDC and how it like speeds up a little bit, but still feels good. But that, but it really, who cares? Like, I don't care what they did. Mm-hmm. I'm just worried about trying to get like, get it sounding good whenever it is that I do. So for me, I'm a fan of the click. Like I practice to a click when there's, there's always the click going on and, um, because I find that it doesn't, you, you, you don't have to be rigid with it. You can, it teaches you freedom, you know? And I think that once you, people are always worried about getting locked into, uh, the tempos and then feeling stiff and robotic. But I think that if you allow yourself to get robotic and be able to be robotic on command, then 
you also have the freedom to rush or the freedom to wait and you can lag behind or you can rush ahead. And that, that gives the musician their specific flavor because anyone can play the same notes. And, you know, like Dave was saying, you know, anybody can just play the note. Um, but what gives you your, your, your feel is like, you know, especially like if you listen to somebody like, like, take Derek trucks, you know, is very like behind the beat, but just slightly, but in a, in a musical way. And that I think allows Derek to sort of, you know, like sound like Derek and, you know, like a lot of people, um, whereas more like, if you listen to like, I don't, I don't know, like, like I always found like, like, like Bonnie Raitt's band, I felt like was very like on the, on the, the, the beat and it just, it had like a tight groove to it, which I thought was cool. Um, but it's not lazy playing, but then some bands are lazy. And I think that that, you know, can differentiate between different players. Yeah. That's, that's something I've never, that's a, a viewpoint on that. I have not heard yet. And I, I appreciate that because that, that puts a whole <laughs> nother not- perspective. No, like that, that perspective on it. It's never, it's people are one way or the other, like, nope, no click yeah. or absolutely a click. Everything's on a click. But People you are, are you're like, like the that. middle ground. I like that. I've not heard that I'm perspective. Neither. Yeah, I'm, I'm neither. I think that they I think that all things should be embraced. And then w- with music, it should be. I'm not saying everything in life, but uh, you, you're limiting yourself when you stay on one side of the fence. Like the, you, you, if you go and say, well, no, you can't play to a click. And I think that you're going to have a pretty unless you're practicing like serious time. I don't, mm-hmm. I, you know what? I would challenge any band that said like, we're not going to play to a click to play on time and stay in a groove together and like make it consistent. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's going to happen very often. Um, Cause people, you know, they, they say that everybody says their influences and like, Oh, I like Charlie Parker. Or I like, you know, I, I really like Mingus or something like that, but you don't sound like Mingus because you don't spend the time that Mingus spent. Yeah. You didn't spend the time Charlie Parker spent. I didn't spend the time Charlie Parker spent because you don't have that time because now there's the internet and now there's TV and there's Wi-Fi and there's, you got a family and you got school to go to. And like, you know, Leadbelly probably wasn't going to school. I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. I have no idea. He definitely wasn't distracted. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he had plenty of time. That's one thing you learned. Do you have kids? Yeah. Two. Two. How old are they? They're eight and four. Eight and four. Okay. Mine, <laughs> mine are nine and seven and we're doing the distance learning thing. I I had not thought about in a long time how much was accomplished before the internet teaching about the Egyptians and everything else. And like, they did this stuff by hand. It's like that some, that was someone's entire life. That's oh, all yeah. they had to do. Yeah. It's, you got to log off sometimes. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. If I put on that money jungle record uh, and when I'm like riding my bike or something like that on a fall day, like I just feel alive. Like, yeah. you know, you and, uh, just get, get out of it every once in a while. I think. Exactly. It's, I teach them that all the time. Every night we have no phone time uh, where I, I put, I put, it's not them. It's, they don't have phones, but I do. Mm-hmm. And I put away my phone and I just listen to them. But I'll tell you what, the difference between, I learned that during this whole quarantine thing. And, and um, I didn't even realize that, like, especially if my kids are doing something else, like, so if they're busy with something, you know, whatever they're doing and then like they're, but we're sitting together talking and I'm on the phone, you're doing anything, you know, and um, they'll, they notice when you're not on the phone, 
like when they say something and you're already looking at them, they, like you could see in their face that they, they tell you more, they open themselves up more. They, they are more, um, you know, they, they feel the like sonic vibrations of whatever, of like, you know, whatever's in the air of like, like I am present. Yeah. They, they respond to that. I think it's, it's a beautiful thing. That's not trying to say I don't look at pedal demos at night. Cause when they're asleep, I do. I wait for my wife to fall asleep. I wait for my kids to fall asleep. And then I'm on the internet. Look at the analog man videos. Yeah. And I watch uh, what, what Tomo, what's his last name? Uh, the uh, Tomo uh, Fujita. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey. I want to tell you about some new releases coming up from Equal Vision Records. As you guys know, Equal Vision Records is my family, and so are these bands. I really want you to check these out. We've got Hot Water Music with their 10th studio album, Vows, out May 10th, featuring guest appearances by Dallas Green of City and Color, Thrice, The Interrupters, and Brendan and Daniel from Turnstile. See them on the 30th anniversary tour with Quicksand in the States in May and June and Europe in November. Hotwatermusic.com for more info. We also have Be Well with their new 7-inch, A Tap I Can't Turn Off, out now. First new music in two years from this band. This band is incredible, featuring members of Battery, Bane, Darkest Hour, and Fairweather. See them on tour with I Am The Avalanche in June. Equalvision.com for more info on that. And just your general information on Equal Vision Records, you're always going to find something you like at Equalvision.com. Go there for vinyl and merch from all of your favorite bands. Check out Hot Water Music's new record and Be Well's new 7-inch now. What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Pure Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, They have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working as most people are online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, You can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. Distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. 
Go check out DistroKid right now, distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the Passcast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls well, with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the Passcast. The Passcast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month, because I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know. I'll have to check that awesome. out. So awesome. Dude. <laughs> you know, he says, save, save the world. Uh, he goes, he goes, listen, don't write down, don't write it down. Listen, he goes, save the world. Cause you don't have to write it down and use paper. Yeah. Yeah. But like he'll show, he was trying to show something the other day and it was like something, you know, that a lot of people would, would write down. And he said, you don't have to write it down. He goes, cause you can remember it. Here's why. And he showed it. And then he goes, save the world. Save the world. No paper. No paper. And I was like, this guy, this is genius. <laughs> he teaches at Berkeley. So he's gotta be a genius, but yeah, he's got these sayings like, you know, like don't, it, it really cool things. Like don't compare, don't compare with anybody. Don't, it takes time. Go slow. Always saying these things over and over again Yeah. in, in his videos. And, and he starts to get in your head and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Dude, don't compare. That's one thing yeah. with, with uh, like the podcast stuff, like, and, and uh, he was telling me this when people listen to you enough, uh, your, your voice is, is in their subconscious. It's like they're mowing the lawn. They're doing the dishes, listening to podcasts and headphones. You're in their mind 
Yeah. So they listen when you advertise something or say something, they take it at more than face value because yeah. you're, they recognize that it's weird. And so like those phrases he's using over and over again, that's helping you remember already. Oh, for sure. By putting it's, a catchphrase on it. Yeah. Cause like what you're I mean, telling me, you remembered, you didn't write it down. No, you know, I didn't like, write it. Save the world. And right now there. I'm going to go check this out when we're done. of course, and yeah. then I'm going to be saying this shit on the podcast. <laughs> He, he taught John Mayer. Uh, I guess that's his like big student. Um, okay. But he he's all over the internet, and uh, it's it's great to watch. It's it's yeah. great. Like you know, like you feel like you're getting some kind of insight. And he's so he's like humble about it. He's not like you know, like <laughs> he's humble, which is so rare. Yeah, there's a, tons of these people. Like there's like. I mean, so many, the, the, like the Justin guitar one I've done, especially on the road. I love that one. Um, Paul David's is great. There's so many people on the, uh, on the internet, just like, you know, really killing it. Yeah. Do you watch, uh, the pedals and effects, uh, dot com yeah, channel right. with Nick and, and Juan? Uh, no, I don't know about that one. I, Dude. I do. <laughs> I, do. <laughs> I haven't checked that out. I get, sometimes it's too much. I have, I like the, uh, I like that pedal show. Everybody likes that. Uh-huh. I love uh-huh. to do that. If I'm wrapping Christmas presents, I, I will put on a demo and the whole time and, and putting together the kids toys or something. I like the pet uh, demos in the dark. I like, um, I really enjoy Josh's show. Sometimes, sometimes, <laughs> uh, Jay does. sometimes I enjoy it. Sometimes I do not. Yeah. Um, Dude, you got to check out pedals I, and I, effects. It's, right. it's insane. So one, Juan played for like Racer X and Mars Volta and um, uh, he, well, currently, well, not probably anymore. He was playing bass for Marilyn Manson and okay. uh, he got in a horrible bike accident, like wearing his helmet and everything just oh, I heard about went that. down and he's still recovering, like learning to play bass again and stuff. But Nick is from Terra Melos, uh, this band on Sergeant House that's super good. We toured with back in the day and. He's a genius guitar player, an absolute genius. He understands pedal. He had like two pedal boards, like keyboard case pedal boards, and he can make any sound you want and just do it on the fly. It's crazy. But they started a pedal channel and it's insane watching what they do to these pedals. Like they hooked up 99 pedals together, I think, uh, (laughs) and then like started playing them. Like it's wild, dude. And they're, Uh and they're good people, man. And, and, uh, I love that channel. If, if if ever I'm looking at buying a pedal, I always go and see if they have a video first. Yeah, that's always cool to do. Yeah. I think it's it's funny because like a lot of people will have like a lot of pedals, but they don't use them enough to know. It's what I was saying before. You got to get good at it. Yeah. You know, there's like the I have this. I bought this uh, that that boss uh, that DD five hundred thing. The, the yeah, that reverb <laughs> tank or whatever. No, it's like a three, it's like a delay. So it's like, Oh, it's a delay. The, okay. It's like whatever in it, you know, it's like got all the delays you can preset. Mm-hmm. Um, and I bought that because I sort of was like, you know, I, well, I truthfully, I bought it because uh, a, a Tyler Childers guitar player played it on this song called the universal sound. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a great delay sound. I was like, Oh, that's a cool delay sound. Like kind of sounds like the edge, but like, it's, it's just cool. And I was like, I bet you that's easy to work. I'm like, what pedal is that? So, um, I found out what it was and then I, I picked it up and uh, it's just like, it's cool, but there's so much in there and so many like parameters that you have to learn it. So like I yeah. try to make like a time like every week to just sit down with it for a couple minutes and see what I can get out of it. Yeah. 
That's right. I used a I used a DD five forever just because I had the tap tempo on it. It was simple. Yeah. Like it was. I I loved I love that pedal. But um, there's even people now that uh, so like the Strymon Strymon stuff, like the yeah, the, yeah. the timeline the time and the line. the Big Sky Reverb, where you have yeah. to push two pedal two two buttons at once to bank up and down. They've actually invented thought, yeah. a a like piece of metal that goes over them, so you can click in between them and it it hits them both with one foot. That's awesome. Like people are like inventing that. things to make the pedals that are hard as hell way awesome, easier. Bro. Yeah. Well, the Strymon is the other one, you know, like I, that's another one that's just as good. I think they're both, they, they're great. Whatever yeah. one you want. I think when you get that quality of like the, the, the white boss one or the Strymon one, it, whatever, just that they, they all sound good and you can make them work. It, but learning them is a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like spending time with them. Um, Cause I, I don't know, like, I've had all the tape echoes and stuff and I'm just the vintage ones and they break. It's annoying. Yeah. Tapes break during the middle of record. Matter of fact, during the horrible crows recording, I had that, uh, a tape echo and the tape broke right in the middle of it, right in the middle of the recording. And I was like, well, that's it. We couldn't get another tape. Um, cause this was like 10 years ago. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't like you couldn't just order a tape overnight. Like they had to, there was a limited quantity and blah, blah, blah. And like, and then I was just like, this is stupid. And I think that like someone, when we were recording handwritten, I was so analog. I was like an analog guy, totally. And Brendan O'Brien was producing and he said, he turned on the lexicon delay that they had at Blackbird Studios mm-hmm. and he turned it on and he was like, he's like, check this out. He goes, You're, he goes, that part should have a little slap back on it. And I was like, I was like, what? no, dude, you got to get like a tape echo in here. Like this is Nashville. What are you doing? And he's like, stop. He goes, nobody uses that anymore. And I was like, what? I go, yes, they do. He goes, no, they don't. He goes, he goes, close your eyes. And he put it on and I was like, sounds good to me. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, I told you. He's like, no, he's like, it doesn't, you don't know when the drummer starts, you don't know. Yeah. I'm going to ruin the pedal industry in one sentence. Yeah. When the drummer <laughs> starts, you don't know. Vintage. It's not the pedal industry. It's the vintage industry. Yeah. You know, like I did the thing with the, I bought all the, I bought all the analog man tube screamers and the, the, and which, which is what I ended up with. But I, I bought all the like vintage tube screamers and all this stuff and I laid them all out. Right. And recorded them and did all this crazy stuff. And you know what? As soon as the drummer starts, you can't tell which one's which. <laughs> it's not possible. Yeah. Yeah. People tell you you can, but it's all about the feel. Nah, it feels good when your drummer plays on time and when you practiced. That's when it feels good. That's if you're practiced, it feels great. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter what metal. You can have a metal zone on there and I bet you it could sound good if you practice enough. Yes. Dude. I got like what I got behind I got like, yeah, I got like then phase 90, same old phase 90, yep. you know, right there. I got the boss, the Waza craft and the phase 90. I was real on this like John Prashante kick for a while. And I was like, he's got all boss pedals. I was like, I wonder what that sounds like. So I bought a few of them. They sound great. Yeah, absolutely. Simple. Sounds good too. Yeah. yeah. You could have got what, the, the Zach wild phase 92 or whatever with the, the wild, uh, artwork on it. Same thing. Pretty much. Yeah, like they, they just... get it to sound good. Yeah. People are always like 59 sound sounds so good. You know what pedal that was is MXR regular. Really? Dynacom. Not a script. A regular one at guitar center, 90 bucks. Dude. Maybe even less 80 bucks. And it was on the whole time. Yeah. So right, right into the, that went, it was that into a tape, the compressor into a tape echo into the amp. And that was it. Speaking of that amp, Blake said you made an amp for that record. Yeah, I built it. 
Yeah. Tell me about that, dude. That's insane. What? Did you build amps before? Um, I don't think so. I think I modified a few of them before. I went to school for like car audio electronics, like in a car. So Uh remote starts, alarms, stereos, blah, 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 whatever. But uh, I wasn't good at it. But I, I, I was able to take the knowledge that I got from there and apply it after I read a few books. I, I, I read like a few Gerald Weber books and um, which some people talk like so much trash on him, but like that he like says things that are wrong in the book. And I guess, yeah, but like, you know what, you got to figure it out anyway. So it's a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Cause you know what? I didn't die when I, by getting electrocuted because yeah. I read books. So um, I did that. And then I went in like, just tried modifying. Like I bought an old silver like panel, uh, basement head and it was like cheap, really cheap. And I, I got it used and then like, you know, started changing the capacitors and the, and the resistors in it. And, 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 a, and I started to modify it a little bit. Like, you know, what if I change this or change that? And then I started to get good at it. Then I gutted that one and redid it over again, you know, to be something different and it sounded cool. It worked. So then I bought a reissue basement and I bought a, a board kit, like a, just a board with the, you know, blank board. Mm -hmm. And then I filled it with all the capacitors and everything. Like, I I think I took the ones that were on it off the capacitors and I started just wiring it up, bought a couple transformers from um, Weber and Mercury and, and then changed the speakers, put Weber speakers in it. And I I did the whole thing and it really, I got it sounding awesome and it sounded awesome. And, uh, and that, and then we took it out on tour and, and I recorded with it and they had all these vintage amps and I set it up and was like, what do you think? And they showed it to Ted and he was like, sounds great. He's like, let's use that for, you know, for my guitar. Yeah. And I, I just, I did it. And then now, now I do it all. Like the amp that I play all, all the time is like all modified. I got an old one sitting over there, but I have an old, like the, the black panel deluxe reverb right there. And then I got like a vintage one. And then I have the one that I just took a hand-wired one and mm-hmm. don't tell Fender, but I did. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I just put some different components. I had to, it's not, it's a thing. It's no offense. I think the deluxe reverb sounds great when you buy it in the store, but I just needed something else. And I had them side by side to compare and I, they sound identical and like challenge you to see the difference Send send somebody over here with uh, good ears. <laughs> <laughs> have you thought about just making amps like yeah. making your own like selling? just recently i have dude i was talking to chris at benson and uh-huh. i said i was like just talking to him and he was being so gracious with me like just started telling me like how he started about it, you know and like you tell him just give me some suggestions like hey why don't you mix things together and whatever and he's just being really cool and and then i started to think like well what if you know like what if i just did like 10 of them a year and was mm-hmm. like not trying to make it a living and not definitely not trying to compete with any of the builders out there. Cause you know, I, I give all the respect in the world to the, the, I think that there's some incredible builders. I think third power is incredible in Nashville. Um, I think uh, uh, milkman sound is great. Uh, uh, I think the Benson is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, but like it, it, it would be cool to, to just have like, a couple that I did and was like, you know, I, and I would be honest about it. I'd be like, I bought this reissue amp and just ripped it apart. And now it's this, Yeah, you know, I wouldn't say like I built the cabinet or anything and, and then just tell them like, this is what I built it for. And 
it's probably really expensive because I did it, it myself. Yeah. <laughs> Save the world. Used, used wood. Yeah. Used wood. <laughs> Repurposed wood. Yeah. But I think that it would be cool to do for yeah. sure. I, I think, I don't know. It might be the thing I, I think about that is I go, would it be too expensive to like, cause it, you know, they cost a lot when you build all the parts and like mm-hmm. to do it right. It costs, it costs quite a bit, especially if you don't have like a manufacturing deal. Sure. Well, yeah, the Bensons are expensive, but they're glorious amplifiers. Yeah. My buddy Cookie works for works for him building the cabinets. And uh, I don't know, I don't have one. It's yeah, okay. <laughs> I hear that in your voice. I don't have one. <laughs> I don't have a Monarch combo. Oh my god! <laughs> but uh, yeah, hint, the, hint. Super, yeah, right. Hint. Cookie listens <laughs> to this podcast. He'll he'll throw it in his ear. You can throw it yeah, at him too. Throw it, throw it in there. You know what I mean? Like uh, I'll I'll give you a, a couple tweets, right? And maybe a couple. We'll, we'll do a trade something. We'll trade something. There it's you fun. go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I think that they're they're i don't know it would be cool to to do it and and to like just have them out there like knowing like someone was playing them i'd be like that'd be cool yeah you're like oh yeah they're yeah. playing this this thing that i built make them for friends and just kind of like yeah like or or uh there's a few over here too there's there's uh uh Varellen amplifiers up here in seattle uh close yeah. to us here with dave Varellen's or uh, uh ben Varellen's company the the what is it the sky hammer he makes like the preamps too the preamp pedals which are bad oh, cool. ass and then yeah, uh are... my buddy brooks harlan from war on women does uh big crunch and okay. those amps cool. are rad too like there's there's so many amazing boutique uh amp companies but like yeah yeah that'd be awesome if you did that because you've got like bad. shit it was on a huge record and it sounds amazing but you're using like simple stuff but then an amp you put together good. It sounds pretty damn good, man. Yeah, the whole record. It's the whole the whole record was the same setup. So it was uh, that was kind of the trick. Is like not not Alex's guitar. He used a bunch of different stuff, but mm-hmm. but mine was that was kind of Ted Hutt's thing. Is like something has to stay consistent through the whole record. So the consistent thing was the guitar sound, and it, all the way through the record, nothing changed. Like we didn't change the settings. It's just mm-hmm. the same guitar, same sound. It was it was cool, and I thought it was like a very unique thing to do. Yeah. And it had, it, it was a huge record and what Springsteen came up and did some songs with yeah. you, which yeah, is whole insane. Time. Yeah. I got the whole idea for like the 410 tweed basement and the echoplex from him. Yeah. So the compressor was the only like added, <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, yeah, it was pretty wild. And then I went to check out his setup when on stage, that was the first thing I did. Like everyone was like, Oh, you're going to play with Bruce Springsteen. And I was like, yeah, that's cool, but let's go check his amps out. Yeah. So like, that was what I was pumped about. And I went and the guitar tech showed me his amps and they're like these two Mesa boogie heads. And I was like, (laughs) what? And he had like a, you know, like the full drive too, like real regular stuff. And you were just, what they were the, it was the Aerodyne Mesa boogie heads. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. They had like a, I guess they had like a 6L6 EL34 thing, the switch on them. Yeah, you could switch. Whatever. But it sounded incredible. So what do I know? Because when I was out there, I was like, this is for sure the most vintage stuff he's playing through. And it was not. It was the most like regular Guitar Center stuff he's playing through. Dude. It's awesome. I bet you all his stuff's at home because he knows if you tour with it, it's going to get lost or broken or stolen. Yeah, I mean, his like original stuff is home. Yeah. Like and, and and it's in a studio. Like 
but uh, you know, he, he's not really like a gear guy. Yeah. He's like, you know, I'm sure if you like said, Hey, this is cool. He'd be like, yeah, it's cool. But he likes the, (laughs) he likes the, you know, whatever stuff, like the regular stuff. He just sounds like him. The Portugal, the man guys did some shows with Springsteen after I left. And so I never got to meet him or play with him, but like they blew up after I left. So it was like a a whole whirlwind, which you've been through. Um, Yeah. But yeah, they were just saying just how nice of a guy he is and, and accommodating and everything else. And I was curious on that that front because I watched those videos and when he comes up to do 59 sound, like it, it almost looks like he doesn't know the words. And it's like, like here's where day. it starts and we're just going to jam. And it yeah. worked. And the, it was the awesome. The first time he did it, I don't think he, I think he like stumbled over a few words. And then the second day, the next day, he, he was like very tight on him. Did he so, just come up and say he wanted to do it? Yeah, he just like showed up. Like, so there wasn't any like pre warning. It was just like we walked out there and then like, I love this. He just rolls up, like, not even like within, like, it was like within 10 minutes of us going on stage. So it was like no time to get nervous. It was just sort of like, yeah. what song is 59 sound in the set? And you're like, oh, eight. I'll give you like a wave. <laughs> and then one you just, want. Well, it kind of, the one good thing I will say about that is it leveled the playing field. Like it allowed us to be musicians and to I like the choice was you're going out and to play Glastonbury for the first time ever. And you can get overwhelmed that there's Bruce Springsteen standing in front of you, or you can get to work. And my construction brain took over and I was like, look, it's song eight in the set. Do you know what key it's in? Yes. Okay, cool. All right. This is your guitar. This is your amp. I'll give you a sign when it's time to come out, go. And then I just left them and went on the stage. And it was like, because you can't in that moment, it's like do or die. You got, you can't, you can't get overwhelmed that there's like, you know, that, that he's standing in front of you. You got to just be like, I got a job to do. And mm-hmm. if I ruin this, I'm only hurting myself. So, you know, those kids wanted to see the band and I wasn't going to let them down. And I wasn't going to let anything distract me, including that I knew he was there. Cause that was like a cool thing. And I, and it was so cool that like, I didn't have time to get nervous. Cause I was like, no, this is too cool. I'm not allowing this in, in my life right now, like being nervous. Cause it's just not, that's not going to ruin my time. Yeah. And and it was awesome. So dude. Yeah. Sharing a mic with the boss, dude. That's yeah. Insane. Cool. I love I love your temperament, Ryan. Like your your it's temperament and your your you're just level headed, man. Like well, it's not good all the time. Like I can't say well, that. sure. I, but like I'm not that, that confident. That was like overcomingly that was like an instinct from like the caveman era coming in. And I had to survive. And that's why that that's why I was able to do it normally like okay so for instance right now i'll tell you like this morning i've been obsessed with this branch in my neighbor's tree that's really high up there and it's clearly broken but it's like it's it's sort of uh it's it's pair it's like laying down in between like two other branches Mm -hmm. but if it falls it's going to be a serious problem and i'm deciding like whether i should call a tree company because it's over their fence and just get it done or whether they're going to get mad at me but it's like actually like upsetting me. So it's like frantic in my mind. So there is like a duality there. I'm not always like calm and collected at all. As a matter <laughs> of fact, I would say more frantic than I am calm. Um, but I've always been able to like, when it's time not to be that way, like when the, when the tire blows out on the van in the middle of the highway, like that's when like the, the thing, I have this thing that takes over and I'm just like, no, get the job done. And then, 
And then at night, I f- cry in my sleep. <laughs> that autopilot turns on. Yeah, uh, I do. I have a serious autopilot that happens, and but, it's like everything comes out. But see, that's a good thing. When it counts, yeah. you're there. You show up. Most that's of the time. huge. That's yeah. probably how you got through most of what you've been through and in, in, in dealing yeah. with the machine and the the yes men and the huge huge crowds, gear problems, whatever you've you've had to face going on TV. You know, like all that stuff when it's game time is game time. Yeah. And you can share I mean, a mic with the boss. Works. You can take care of a branch. You can fix a tire. You can deal with most, a, yeah. Most of the time. There's been times where it's like, you know, it's not, or like the stress will get to me. And, but you, you just have to, no one's, no one's uh, good all the time. You know, you, you, everybody like falters and, and doesn't, you know, like they, <laughs> they don't hold everything gracefully it's not it's not possible <laughs> that's what makes us great is yeah. that both if everyone was awesome all the time we would not know any different and it would yeah. become way less awesome yeah you i think that mean? is yeah totally you are you are you you're not that amp on the 59 sound you're not on all the time you're not on the same no. settings all the time but you're no. capable of getting that yeah. and making capable. it yourself yeah which is fucking insane I love that stuff. I love hearing stuff like that about records that I love, you know, like I had no idea that was the case. Yeah. I just knew this is a great sounding record. We used to do, I had an office after I left Portugal, the man, I went to work for, this is stupid, but I went to work for target. Uh, cause I was like, I need to get a job. So I walked down the street and got a job at the first place I could. I got promoted up to like a group level office deal with my boss. My boss named Todd was awesome. Music fan knew I was in Portugal, the man and was not a, uh, female in a low cut dress. The only one that had come in to interview for him that was like, he's like, if I hire, if I hired you, people would take me seriously because you know, like you're not like the, the nice thing to look at when you come in the front door, you know what I mean? Um, and so he's like, that's my guy. Anyways, he's a music fan. And I think that's where I heard 59 sound for the first time. Cause we had our own office and I was out front and he was in his office and no one came there unless it was for like a job interview. So he's blaring 59 sound in his office on his speakers. I'm blaring something else. Eventually it wound its way around that we were both blasting different songs from 59 <laughs> sound at the same time because we both like would get obsessed with these records. And that was one of them, you know, and, yeah. and uh, God, it was awesome. Like it was such a good time. It brings me back and remember it. Like these were like really good times. But we always we could we could come together on that record, for yeah. sure, and uh, really felt the the magic there. Not not thinking about the the um, the journey you were on going through that, and when things <laughs> yeah. are blowing up, you know, I I can't. I, and, and how do you? This just popped in my mind. But how with looking at someone like Bruce, mm-hmm. who's been doing it forever, he's been in the machine forever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where his anonymity is gone. Yeah. How do you how do you look at and react to him, you know, when when you can take a step back and say, like, hey, I don't want to I don't want to be in that realm right now. Looking at someone who's never stepped out of it, really. How do you how do you how do you work with that in your mind or approach that with him? Like uh, or is he just kind of just he's been in it so long. It's just who he is now. 
Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't envy his position for yeah. sure. Like, I mean, you can look around and see like all the stuff and be like, okay, cool. You got like all these guitars and like whatever you have like possession wise, but like, you don't have, like, I have my freedom and you don't, mm-hmm. and you can't just go to the, I mean, he does like, he does walk around and go places, but he has to deal with the thing and the, and the thing comes with him no matter where he goes. And, and for me, I don't, I don't want that. Like that's too much for me. And, um, but I think that he manages it well and he manages it much better than I do. The more, the famous, like really famous people that I've been around um, like him and, and Eddie Vedder, they're different kinds of people like where they even like, like to a degree, like a Lucinda Williams will be like that too, where you, you can tell that they've got like a, they just been doing it a long time and they've got like a protection of their own kind in their mind where they don't like, you know, they're not going to, I don't know. There's like so far that you can get with them and they'll just like, you know, they don't, they don't like allow, uh, they don't give like too much away to of themselves so that it costs them something. And I think for me, I don't know if I have the ability to like do that. You know, I would always read about like Tom Waits inventing like this character. And then I'd be like, that sounds exhausting. You know, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I just don't have the, the um, energy inside to do that. I, just kind of want to not, you know, kind of do it. And then like, let the songs talk. And mm-hmm. and I don't really have the story. You know, they always want to know what the story is for the record. Like, what, what did you suffer through to get these songs? Be like, well, nothing. I just sat down at my desk for hours and hours and hours for months at a time. And that's it. And then the songs are the story. Yeah. You know, like, there's no story. Like, I don't have a story. Dude, <laughs> it's, it's got so, the feel sorry. though. It's got the feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's well, what's so cool about it. Is- I don't think the story is important. I think it's, it's, it's stupid. Cause like nobody asked in, you know, nobody like went to Pink Floyd and was like, how did you get the dark side of the moon? Like, did we, what'd you guys suffer through? Tell us about your dirty secrets. <laughs> you know, they were like, what? We're going to go play Pompeii. You yeah. guys talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> you know, I think that's the way to do it. Just don't like, there's too much, too much of that. Yeah. Dude, that that I like that. I like that because yeah, it has the feel it has the feel and the, I mean the the you don't have to necessarily suffer what do they say life is suffering? Is that the the yeah. the, the, the like life is suffering but you don't have to go through hell to make a great record. I don't think so. I think you just have to be creative. Like there's ones you know? and those songs, you know, touch me the same way uh they probably touch a lot of people the story behind them, like you say, is not necessarily the, the, what makes them special. Right. Exactly. That's yeah. the thing is, is like, it's not, you caught lightning. Nobody can explain it. I don't know. You know, how did I do the 59 sound? No idea. Yeah. If I could do them, if I could do 10 of them, I would, you know, and but I, I can't. So like I caught, you know, I was like caught a bolt of lightning flying through the air. I have no idea, man. Thank God I did, but that's yeah. it. Like, I don't, I can't tell you, how to do it or, or what I like, I think that that's the thing is that people go, well, if I take the same steps that he did, I'll get there too. But you, you got to catch your own lightning. Exactly. Exactly. If you follow <laughs> the same steps, it doesn't strike twice very often. No, you're never going to find it. You right. need to go the un of the unbeaten path. Your path yeah. Exactly. So your path. And, then, your path. and then you find that you go and you <laughs> find lightning. And that's the beautiful thing. Yes. And that's why it keeps happening. But, you know, when you think of how many, it's very rare. Very rare. It's just an awesome, awesome, uh, 
awesome thing when it happens for for most sure. people. Some people can't stand it, you know. Some people oh, don't know yeah. what to do with it. But then, I mean, you kept writing really good. Like Fifty Nine Sound is not my favorite Gaslight record. Like the records got better after that. It wasn't like, like yeah. that's when everything hit. <laughs> like boom, they're yeah, huge now. Like, but uh, then it's like, wait a minute, this record's fantastic. This record's fantastic. Like they just kept getting better in my mind. Um, yeah. And I loved seeing that progression because then I started to really get a relationship with the sounds, the songs, the, the, I think a lot of it's in the hands, you know what I mean? Like regardless of what, like with Bruce playing those mesas, like it's in his hands, like it's in his feel, like, yeah, you know, um, and it, it was always, it was always great when another record came out. Cause I was like, this is going to be great. And I would sit with it for a while. And I, you know, there, there's some of the ones I can play in the car with my whole family with my mm-hmm. kids and stuff and everyone's yeah. rocking out, you know, and it's, it's, yeah. I love it. They're like staples for me with, with traveling or, or, you know, if I'm in a certain mood or, or whatever, even just doing dishes, yeah. like I put on handwritten, like, like American slang, like, uh, when I'm doing the dishes and the, the kids, like the kids will kind of poke their heads in, you know, like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, it means it's like it's getting and it, you know it means it's good because then uh, you know lots of people like it and uh, to me that's that's everything that's that's what it's it's worth that's the worth of it you know sure sure and then the solo records we we listen to in the house just because it's it, it's a lot more relaxing you know what I mean for like uh, yeah. like you do no phone time like we're working on that because they do yeah. notice like Dad can you put down your phone and watch this and it's like. Yeah. yeah, I'm watching it. No, 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 put your phone in your pocket. Right, right. And I'm like, they do <laughs> really notice. Yeah, you got to, like, just, I don't, you don't have to do it all day long. I mean, people punish themselves. It's like, it yeah. is still the real, it's still the modern world. But, you know, you, you, I do it for an hour and a half every day. And then, yeah. And then, you know, right before I do it from bed, bath time to bedtime. I okay. So that's kind of after dinner, like at dinner, no phones at dinner. Yeah. We didn't do that. I like that. Yeah. Do you play but, for yeah, your kids yeah. a lot? Like Not play music, anything. they don't care. They're a little bit. My little one does. She cares a little bit. Like we play together, but my oldest one, he don't care. He's like, you know, really? I mean, he's like whatever about it. Yeah, because they don't care about music. They're into their other stuff. He thinks like he's he's more impressed that John Cena follows me on Twitter than like <laughs> anything really. That's his like biggest thing that he's proud of me for. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's fantastic. I only follow John Cena because he likes John Cena. I don't care what John Cena's doing. <laughs> um, but yeah, like that's his big thing. And then, but my little one, uh, she she's like she's still into into it. She's into everything, into life. She's just yeah. into it. You know, she's like, that's a leaf. Cool. What's a leaf about? And you're like, yeah. What's a leaf about? Yeah. It's cool. Let me tell you about I'm it. Not, yeah, I don't know anything about it. So most of the time we're like trying to find stuff together. We're like looking at stuff like, oh, yeah, that is a kind of a cool design. It does yeah. look like a butterfly, you know, like cool. He's like that too, but not as much. Like he's, you know, he's eight. So he's, yeah. he's in college and stuff. He's in, yeah. yeah, he's in college now. <laughs> a car. The and great kids. equalizer is kids when we're on our bullshit yeah. about what we've done in our lives and they don't give yeah. a shit. No, nah, man. They help you know. They're watching something on TV or like on uh, a music video comes on. Oh, that's a friend of mine. Oh yeah. Yeah. They don't care. Yeah, they don't care. Yeah, I I can. We'll call them up right now. You can talk to them on Facetime. Yeah, whatever. 
Like they've yeah. seen me on TV and they're just like, oh, it's all right. I mean, yeah, they were impressed right. when they were little, but now it's like, it's just routine now. It's like what dad does. Yeah. Like, right. Dude. But that's how it is for dad too, though. Yeah. <laughs> Dad's like, I'm more interested in if the people have a good time than what, what the, uh, you know, I, like the next big thing is. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. Have you, so your daughter's four, you said? Yeah. Yeah. So she, have you made a fairy garden yet? Um, no, but we, we have tons of other, other things, you know, but yeah, I mean, possibly in the years we've made one of those. I don't know. I'm not sure the naming of it, but our front yard is a fairy garden from the dollar tree, like little houses and wine corks into, into like bridges. No, I don't have that. That is cool. Oh man. It's Google it. Like just Google it. And she may be into that, but like you can literally take them to the dollar tree twice, uh, twice a month and spend $4. And yeah. they create this world in it. Ours has like a welcome flag in it and a marriage area. <laughs> like oh, okay. Two rocks that are for them to stand on and get married. <laughs> oh, the things you do when you have kids are yeah. uh, very humbling. It's oh, where yeah. you came from, you know? Like <laughs> Good though. I, I enjoy it. Absolutely, man. Well, dude. I, this has been awesome, man. I've I've, yeah, I've gone an hour already. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, well worth the wait, my friend. And and thanks to Blake for connecting us. I hope you had a good time. Yeah. But like the, I did. <laughs> we just roll on this one, man. Uh, do you do yeah. you, do you do a podcast yourself at all? Or I know you're doing nah. some like, weren't you doing some like live stream stuff or something where you have guests on? Yeah, stuff? I was like last summer. I was in the okay. beginning to sort of like entertain people. I was. Um, then I stopped because I kind of got. I just have like other things I'm working on. So okay, kind of, you know, make use of this time in here. Yeah. Anything, anything you're working on that you want to talk about on here? Uh, this will probably come out uh, either end of this month or first week of next month. Um, um, I got some shows online coming up. That I'm going to do, and then uh, just, uh, just writing really, you know, okay. that's it. Like, doing that. Going to try and see what, what happens. See what happens. Awesome. <laughs> See if I can still do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, dude, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure, and and uh, it's great to meet you and, and chat and go deal with that branch situation. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like figure it out. I just like <laughs> call the guy. I think if I reach over, have like a guy reach over or whoever comes with the tree department and reaches over and grabs that thing. Yeah. I don't think they're gonna say anything. If they do, I'll just be like, look, I probably saved your dog's life. Yeah. So just. I'll foot the bill. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you stole my branch. And I'll be like, well, man, now I'm going to burn your house down. Yeah. No, just kidding. <laughs> Watch this YouTube video. Be singing with Springsteen and then come back, yeah. sir. Yeah. Remember when I told you about the calluses? Uh, <laughs> it's just, I don't know. Like it. Yeah. It'll be fine. It's Dude. way up there. It's high. Yeah, that's, like, that's maybe worse. <laughs> yeah. Good. Good. 30 feet in the air. Terminal velocity is going to be achieved yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, you Watch Final Destination. That's how one of them dies. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully not today. Nope, not today because I'm going to call the tree department. All right, my friend. Well, dude, thank you. And thank you for all the music over the years and continuing music and and enriching all of us with with good stuff. So you're doing your part, my friend. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Good meeting you too. We'll talk soon. Absolutely. See you. Bye-bye. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Brian Fallon from the Gaslight Anthem. I love that band. I love Brian's music. He's a great dude. Thank you so much to Blake for setting this up. 
Thank you to Brian for coming on, and thank you to all of you for coming back week after week and listening to this show. It makes this show go around. I could always record this show by myself and put it out for nobody, but the fact that you guys listen to it and the numbers grow every week is just a testament uh, to how if you believe in something and you go out there and do it, it'll catch on, and it's so inspiring. And I love that that you know just seeing the numbers grow, but also seeing consistency is awesome because I know you guys are listening to all the episodes and just enjoying the show for what it is. It's entertainment, uh, but it's also a journal. So, you know, you guys have access to that. Um, and speaking of access, I'm going to mention it one more time. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm. Sign up for the premium, help support the show, get those Zoom videos, get them the day they're done, get them the day the episode is done, like within an hour or two of me recording the conversation. Get the past cast access to that podcast where we dive into other episodes of Peer Pleasure and do a deeper dive into them. Kind of a footnotes kind of thing. Um, so go sign up for that. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm. Support the show. Because if we do not support our creatives and artists, there will not be any for very much longer. Because things cost money. You know, people have to live. People have to pay hosting fees. Things like that. So it always helps. Even if it's just the $5 a month level where you get the ad-free premium definitely sign up and help the show out. All right, guys, I've got tons of stuff to do. Thank you for coming back week after week. Please keep those reviews coming. We've got a ton of reviews that just came in this week. Keep that up. Tell a friend, review the show, subscribe, rate it. Tell 20 friends. Just tell. go through 10 people on your phone and just send them a link to the show and say, check this out. And they can start with Brian. This was a great episode. So thanks again, guys. I love each and every one of you. And as always, we'll see you on the radio. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.